Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW show where we hit on all the latest and greatest news of the week. Of course, during the summer transfer window, it is always crazy, and Bayern Munich is heavily involved in some of the biggest deals out there from Harry Kane and Kyle Walker coming in to Sadio Mane and potentially Yashua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka going out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We saw some crazy rumors break through this week. We'll touch on some of them, but I'll tell you, this is a it's an interesting period to be a Bayern Munich fan. There is so much change in the air, yet so many things are staying the same. Karl Heinz Rummenigge and Uli Honus are still operating the same way they always did silently for the most part and effective when trying to work through deals, but we did see Uli Honus do one of one of his trademark uh, fly off the handle type speeches. Of course, that got Bayern Munich into a little bit of trouble with Tottenham Hotspur, but we will talk about that in a second. I just wanted to say it's it's been wild uh, waking up every day, you know, because in the U.S. we're a couple of hours behind Europe, so. You know, by the time I get up in the morning and I'm usually up at 545, there's already a slew of news that's out there and I'm playing catch up from (laughs) the minute I wake up until I get settled in. Luckily, with some of our global folks out there, uh, we're able to hit that news early if something really important breaks. But this has been one of the more bizarre summers that I can remember since I started at BFW, and it's really kept us on our toes because it's been wildly unpredictable everything from harry kane to kyle walker to how this is all developed with some of the other rumors are, that are out there dusan vlahovic randall kolomwani it, it has taken several different paths and we've been trying to follow it all the way through but uh of course the biggest story that has been out there is harry kane and i don't want to take too long to speak about the kane issue because i have spent probably two months talking about it. And right now, I think it's just time to give a little bit of an update as to where things stand and my take on how things might play out, but this won't take too long. Of course, as I referenced, Uli Honus kicked off last weekend by, well, actually closed out last weekend uh, with some really inflammatory statements. At least that's how they were perceived by Tottenham Hotspur. I don't think that Uli Honus was, was out trying to pick a fight. What I thought he was trying to do, and whether he was successful or not remains to be seen, uh, was lay out how he thought this should play out. And that was ultimately with Harry Kane making the move to Bayern Munich. But in doing so, uh, Ole Honus puts some of the facts out there, or at least the facts as he perceives them, uh, out there. And it was a bad look for Tottenham Hotspur. I mean, they are in a difficult position as is their best player their marquee man wants to make a move by all accounts now he has not officially told the club that he would like to make a move and that's still a little bit of a sticking point here as to just how realistic this all is but regardless the perception that's out there is that he has made the decision to move on to make the move to Bayern Munich and that this is now a matter between the two clubs Knowing all the news that's floating out there, Tottenham Hotspur is in a very difficult spot. They don't want to lose Kane, but at the same time, 
they don't want to risk losing him next summer for nothing. And I think this is really the crux of the issue. Will Tottenham get over that fact? Will they get over knowing that Kane does not want to resign with them? Because the most recent reports indicate that he has no intention of inking a deal with Tottenham Hotspur. He is eagerly looking to move on. And whether that ultimately means it's Bayern Munich or somewhere else really doesn't matter. He wants to leave. So it's a it's a now or never type situation if Tottenham wants to recoup any money. And it's certainly not a great spot for them to be in. Uh, as a fan base, I, I'm not a Tottenham fan. Uh, we do have Logan on our staff who is a uh, Spurs fan. So he's had some interesting thoughts on this for sure. But you don't want to infuriate your fan base right before a season. And not being a Tottenham fan, I can only imagine what they're feeling like, what they're thinking with all of these rumors. Uh, you know, I'm sure a good part of that fan base is dismissing them because in their minds, why in the hell would Kane want to leave Tottenham in the Premier League for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga? But this rumor as it has gone on and taken all these different turns seems to be getting more real by the day. So whatever ideas and perceptions are out there, this is getting closer to finality one way or the other. So Tottenham wants to save face. They don't want to come out of this looking like they're getting bullied by what many fans would perceive to be a smaller club. Now, you could debate that back and forth all you want. I wouldn't say Bayern is a smaller club than Tottenham. But what I would say is the perception of what most people have of the English teams, the ones in the Premier League that are most well-known in the world, they would think that this would be an absurd move and that it shouldn't happen. So uh, Tottenham is in a tough spot, but ultimately I think they're going to have to make the call sooner rather than later that they're going to either take money for Kane now or take a very, very risky gamble in thinking that they can convince him to re-up over the course of the season. Because I, by all accounts, it just sounds like he wants to go. So for Bayern Munich, they're sitting and waiting. They've allegedly submitted two offers that were rejected. The biggest news I think that we got regarding this situation, aside of Uli's outburst, was that Tottenham wants a lump sum payment somewhere between 115 million euro to 127 million euro. At that point, who cares what the difference is? It, one is just as good as the other. A difference of 12 million euro at that point is, is literally nothing. Uh, I do think if Bayern Munich is going to look to get this done and they're going to look to make this a clean break and, and get Kane in as soon as possible, then they just need to buck up and pay it. Give them the lump sum, hopefully at 115, but if not, go up to the 127, whatever the case, get the deal done. It's been enough now. Uh, there's too much hemming and hauling, too much back and forth. The only thing that can happen from this point forward for Bayern Munich, if Kane doesn't sign, it's all bad. It's either he'll reconsider his stance, Tottenham has more time to convince him, which by all accounts, he's having a good camp and he's getting along well with the new coach. So for Harry Kane, I think that this is something that, you know, while he may want to make this move and he may want to put himself out there, this is absolutely going to be a situation where the longer it goes on, the closer we get to the deadline, he could get cold feet. 
So if I'm Byron, I'm stopping the slow burn on this and I'm just going after it. I'm going to try and get him. I want to be in a spot where I'm submitting what is my best and final offer in an effort to get this done because I don't want to wait any longer if I'm Bayern Munich. I don't want to take the chance that one of my plan Bs or one of my contingency plans is off the market at that point. We know that Dusan Vlahovic is getting a lot of interest out there. We know that Randall Kolomwani is getting a lot of interest. About the only one not getting interest is Victor Osman because the price associated with him is just outrageous. Even Rasmus Hoyland, who is uh, Atalanta's young striker, is, is reportedly closing in on a deal with Manchester United. So as all of these players sit out there, teams are getting more desperate. So Bayern Munich needs to think about how this is all playing out, and they just need to get a deal done. If this is legitimate and Kane wants to make the move, stop wasting time. He's not going to get any cheaper. It's just time to advance things and get a deal done. So I'm hoping that Uli and Karl Heinz Rumenega take that coffee as for closer speech from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Take it to heart. Get your mugs, fill them with coffee, be a closer, get the deal done. And let's get Kane acclimated with his new team. Let's get things working and hopefully they can all get on the same page and, and get this working because the longer it goes on, the more fearful I am personally that it will all fall apart. So that's the take I have on Harry Kane and the latest developments there. But honestly, Kane to me, even with all of that, wasn't even the biggest story this week. Um, you know, we did see that Sadio Mane, after weeks of saying he wants to stay and fight for his position at Bayern Munich, is now considering a move to Saudi Arabia and Al Nasser. I think this is a move that needs to happen. Now, I have talked very frankly and openly about my frustrations with Mane and how I felt like he was a disappointment and a bad move. And I still feel all, all that way. I think that, you know, he had some very bad missteps off the field. You know, we could rehash everything that happened going after Julian Nagelsmann, punching Leroy Sané, having your PR flack. Uh, blame the Bayern Munich players for Mane's failures. All of that was nonsense. It, it's it's not a, those are not things that are tolerated at Bayern Munich. So all this time when a lot of fans were out there saying, "Oh, just give him another year, he'll be fine. He's going to be acclimated to the team. It'll be much better." I never thought it was going to get this far with him. Once he went down that road of becoming a distraction off the field. I, I thought that Bayern Munich would would take action, and it appears that they have. Now, we've seen several reports where Mane was told he's not really wanted this season. Tuchel has spoke openly about not really planning with him. These are things that I personally expected because you can't do what Mane did last season and then underperform on the pitch. Now, we all have had a good laugh at his offside problems. And we'll see if those continue on in Saudi Arabia. But it's just time. Byron needs to break it off with him. He needs a fresh start. And I know he probably doesn't want to go to Saudi Arabia because he probably feels like he has something left to offer in one of Europe's top five leagues. But at the stage he's at, I don't know exactly what he is as a player. I think he was a perfect fit in what Jurgen Klopp was doing a couple of years back. 
And, you know, we saw the end result of that winning the champions league. Mane was a huge part of that, but it just seems like that all got figured out for as individually talented as Mane can be. He is not a player. It seems that can easily fit in on any team. I think there's a specific style that needs to be played. I don't think Bayern Munich was going to be able to do that. I don't think they wanted to do that for one player and I, especially not for Mane. So I I'm okay with making this, this move. It's going to clear some room out of the budget. Mane was the team's highest paid player. You know, we've seen reports he was making as much as 23 million euro per season. I'm okay with getting that off the budget I'm okay with clearing some roster space because you have Leroy Sané, you have Kingsley Coman, you know, you have Serge Gnabry, you have Jamal Musiala who you can pop out there, and you've had Bayern linked to such players as Federico Chiesa, who I think would be a, a pretty solid pickup if Bayern was to go that direction. But either way, even if they don't go out and get someone like Chiesa, they have enough offensive talent to make it work. No matter what system Thomas Tuchel ultimately deploys, He's got players that he can use in wide positions offensively in the attack. I'm not worried about that. But what I began to think about as we <laughs> looked at this situation and as the reality started to hit that Mane is probably going to leave, I just had to rewind about a year ago when we were all sitting here and I personally was on vacation when all this was happening. So when Matthijs de Ligt got signed and Robert Lewandowski really started to grease his way out of Bayern Munich, I was on vacation. So the staffers at BFW had to pick up the slack on that. And all of a sudden, Sadio Mane was coming in and it was a little bit crazy. And there was a lot of fervor about this. People were really excited. And even though I was out on vacation and I got the news, I was like, but this is just a weird pickup. Like, where did they use this guy? And certainly if Robert Lewandowski was ultimately going to leave, and at that point it wasn't official, but everyone had known he wanted out. FC Barcelona was openly talking about the acquisition. I didn't see any way that he was going to be able to replace Lewandowski. And ultimately it was proven that he could not. I also didn't understand where he would fit in the wing rotation and why Bayern Munich, when they had Leroy Sané and Kingsley Coman and Gnabry and Musiala, why they would even entertain bringing in a player like Sadio Mane. And I think ultimately, when we look back at this, we have to say that Brazo, when he was in that spot, knowing he was going to lose Lewandowski, knowing he struck out on Erling Haaland, he was just going for the biggest, best name available. And I'll tell you what, I would have been fine if he would have kept that at Matthijs De Ligt because De Ligt was a big name. Granted, he's not an attacker or a striker, but I don't know, maybe he could play there. I'm joking, of course, but um, you know, <laughs> we've seen De Ligt actually get moved up into that central attacking role a couple of times when needed uh, for, header, for header purposes. But either way, uh, I didn't understand what the thought process was or how anyone thought that would be a good move. Now, the one thing that we did hear about Mane, and this turned out to be extremely false, is that what a great guy he is and what a great teammate and locker room presence he would be. Now, listen, I'm not going to knock the guy for all his charitable causes. There is no doubt that what he is doing with some of his charity work is fantastic. It's phenomenal. And he deserves all the kudos in the world for that. 
But what I'm not going to do is sit here and pretend that because he does that charitable work, that he's a great teammate because he ultimately proved not to be one. He made very little effort to adapt his game to the, his teammates at Bayern Munich. And that showed with the egregious amount of offside calls that he accumulated. It showed with how he never got on sync with them. The frustration that ultimately led to the altercation between Leroy Sané and Sadio Mane. I mean, there were definitely a lot of things that Mane could have done differently, but he had no interest in doing them. Going after Julian Nagelsmann was a big mistake. I would love to know exactly what precipitated that other than Mane not playing and what was said that would make him go after his boss. That seems crazy to me. Uh, you know, if you're in a normal office workplace, if you want to take a, a run at your boss, you'd better be prepared to pack your desk up, right? Uh, to me, <laughs> that was ludicrous that that was even allowed. Listen, I know altercations happen. I know arguments happen on any team, but you cannot have a guy going after your co after the coach. I mean, you know, if you're an old head like me and you remember Latrell Sprewell <laughs> choking out uh, PJ Carlissimo in the NBA, like that was astonishing at the time. And the fact that, you know, here we are, whatever it is, 15, 20 years later, and we're seeing, you know, Sadio Mane charging his coach in the locker room. There has to be some kind of evolution here as to how players handle themselves, even in the most stressful situations. And that is not something that goes on at Bayern Munich. Surely there have been teammate fights in the past. Surely there have been yelling matches between players and coaches, but you can't charge a coach now. And then you certainly can't turn around a few weeks later and punch a teammate. And you certainly can't have your PR idiot flacky, whatever you want to call them, lackey, I guess the term would be, blame your teammates for your own failures. So Sadio Mane, not disappointed to see him go if he does ultimately go. I don't think Tuchel is planning with him this season. I don't think Bayern Munich is planning with him this season. I think everybody wants to see him go. And I think it'd be a good fresh start for him. And it would be a good cleansing of the locker room because if there is any bad juju left over from last season, it's all really revolving around him. Even players like Benjamin Pavar and Ryan Gravenberg, who, you know, by all accounts want to leave, they want to get out of there for various reasons. Pavar, of course, wants to play center back on a regular basis. Gravenberg just wants to play. Uh, sure, I mean, Pavar has said some things to media in the past. Gravenberg certainly has. But they haven't done anything like Mane has done, and they haven't dogged any of their teammates. And for as much as I've been on Gravenberg about some of his immature behavior, he has not crossed that line. And, and neither did Pavar when Pavar was speaking openly last winter about potentially leaving Bayern Munich. They kept it about themselves and their own situation. They didn't blame anyone else. And I don't want to say that those two should be commended, but Certainly, they didn't go down the road of Sadio Mane. And, you know, when Mane made those decisions to do that, you know, I think he he pretty much iced his own career at Bayern Munich. I'm just happy that the club has still has a set of standards. They still have really that Mia San Mia approach. And that when they see situations like this, players that don't fit that mold, they get rid of them. 
And that's to me refreshing because the last thing you want on any team is someone bringing the entire locker room down, someone making the locker room uncomfortable. And I think even though, you know, certain players can get past it, I think with the way that Sadio Mane, that all played out and after what happened with Nagelsmann, once he punched Sané, who, by the way, is immensely popular in that locker room, I think that was the nail in the coffin, personally. And if I was Bayern Munich at that point, I would have sent him home. I don't care how much I was paying him. I know that might sound rash. It might sound immature on my end. But I had seen enough from Mane. He wasn't bringing anything to the table on the field. And he certainly was becoming a big distraction off of it. So for me, this move can't happen soon enough. Uh, doesn't take away from what he did at Liverpool. Doesn't mean he's not a great player or he was he was, hasn't been a great player. It didn't work at Bayern Munich. And sometimes you just have to acknowledge that and move on. Right now, we're going to take a little bit of a break. But when we come back, we're going to take a look at some of the rumors we've seen about the situation in the Bayern Munich midfield, which uh, I've got a lot to say about Yeshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, Conrad Leimer, all of it. So hang with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Weekend Warm-Up Podcast. This is Chuck Smith. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, of course, we appreciate you sticking with us after that break. Uh, as I said before, we took that uh, little intermission there. Uh, I have been perplexed about the news we saw this week about Bayern Munich's midfield. We saw some pretty crazy rumors, and I want to address them uh, one by one because some people got really infuriated on the site this week that we wrote about the rumors. And the biggest one, of course, was about Yashua Kimmich, that he is no longer untouchable with the club. Now, however you might feel about that particular story, the bottom line is that it's out there. And as a site, we're, of course, going to cover the news. And we always try and interject what we think about the validity of it. Now, I don't think that Kimmich is really up for sale. Could he potentially now be, I guess, touchable is the word, sellable, however you want to phrase it? Yeah. And Kimmich's situation is complex, right? So most of us will sit here and we will view him as the next one, the next captain, Byron's next great player. At 28, he's poised for, what, four to five more years of really prime play. He could be that kind of player who could help bridge this current group to the next generation. He's immensely popular in the locker room. He is said to be able to work with all of the different groups within the locker room and really unite them. There are a lot of positive things about Yashua Kimmich. What we also know about Kimmich is he is very power hungry. He wants to be a person who is not just relied upon on the pitch, not just relied upon in the locker room, but he wants to have a say in how things are run within the club. And I think that he has looked at his own stature and how he's been put on this pedestal. And I think he's starting to push those limits. Now with Kimmich, there have been rumors off and on over the years, nothing really serious, but over the last couple of months, we did see Real Madrid and FC Barcelona both start to kick the tires on Kimmich. And when you see the story this week break about him not no longer being unsellable, 
it does make you wonder, did someone know something just a couple of weeks back when we saw Barca openly talking about Kimmich or we t- we saw Real Madrid linked to him? Now we're seeing all kinds of stories. We've seen Pep Guardiola and Man City, Arsenal. I mean, there are teams, Liverpool. There are teams where Kimmich leaving Bayern Munich for them would make a lot of sense. Man City and Liverpool chief among them. Uh, to me, I don't know what the discussions have been between Kimmich and Bayern Munich, but perhaps Bayern Munich has gotten the impression that Joshua Kimmich is not going to do another contract. Uh, I believe his deal ends in 2025, which makes him pretty safe to not go anywhere for the next year. But next summer, if Kimmich truly is untouchable or no longer untouchable, it could be the time to sell him. And I think that will all be determined with an honest discussion between Kimmich and the powers that be at Bayern Munich on his future. And I think if Kimmich does not like the plan for him, if he does not like the plan for the club, if he doesn't like the strategic direction that the club's going to employ to finish out the last three or four years of his career, I think he would move on. Because, listen, we know Kimmich. We know that he wants to win. We know that he wants to be in an environment where he can win. If he doesn't like everything, and I mean everything about Bayern Munich's plan, I could totally see him hauling off and going to Real Madrid or going to Liverpool or going to Man City. I mean, I think those are all realistic destinations for him, even FC Barcelona. All of those clubs that I mentioned previously could offer him something, much more than just a huge amount of money. And I think Kimmich is the type of ambitious fellow who just wants to push himself and be a player who's not just going to be renowned in Germany, but someone that's going to be renowned worldwide. And I know for an athlete, he is starting to get into that latter stage of his career where at 28, he has proven himself with Bayern Munich. He has proven he can win a Champions League title. He's won every Bundesliga title since he's been at Bayern Munich. He's won DFB Pokals. He's proven himself. He has done it time and time again. So I think for Kimmich, as crazy as it might seem, and listen, I personally don't think he's going anywhere right now. But next summer, I think there's going to be honest and frank discussions between Kimmich and Bayern Munich. And I wouldn't be wholly shocked if he decides to move on at that point. Now, am I predicting that he'll move on? No. I mean, listen, I have been on the Kimmich train since he moved to Bayern Munich. You could just tell there was something about that kid where he just had it. And when you see it, you know it. It's just tough to describe what it is. But whatever it is, Kimmich has. He is dynamic under pressure. He's got that fiery leadership personality that you want. And he seems to rise to the the occasion in the biggest of matches. I know I've been critical of Kimmich at times, but when I criticize him, it's not coming from a place of being mean or angry or anything I, I think he's Bayern Munich's best player I think he, you know it, listen I'm at 46 or whatever the hell I am these days <laughs> pretty sad that I don't know that this is what happens when you get old you don't even remember how old you are I don't know that I necessarily have favorite players 
But if there are if there is a player who I like to watch the most on this current Bayern Munich team, it's probably Kimmich. I mean, my kids have Kimmich jerseys. Uh, you know, I, I I like watching him play. That said, he's not perfect. He is far from a perfect player, far from a perfect teammate. And it would not shock me if after all of this and everything that he's been through with Bayern Munich, that he took a look at where the club was going and opted to at least explore what was out there for him next summer. And I think a lot of fans are in denial about that. It really did rile a lot of people up, just the thought that Kimmich would leave. I'm not someone who's going to sit here and say like, yeah, he's definitely staying because I don't know. I just know he's an ambitious guy and ambition can drive you to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And if there's any player at Bayern Munich who you could look at and say, that's a guy who is going to, to test the waters somewhere else, it's Kimmich. I mean, Leon Gretzka is getting every freaking indication that the club doesn't want him these days. And he still wants to stay. And we'll talk about him in a second. But Kimmich is the guy that 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 I look at and I say, he's. He, I could see him leaving. He, even a player like Leroy Sané, who has had a rocky up and down kind of career at Bayern Munich, I think he would genuinely want to stay. I think Kingsley Coman is another player who I looked at and he's done everything he can do at Bayern Munich. I think he wants to stay. And I, I can go through every single player on that roster, but when it comes down to it, there are only a couple of guys who I could say, like, I can I could see them leaving. I mean, Alfonso Davies is one, Kimmich is another. Hey, I said the same thing about Luca Hernandez at this time last year, and I got kind of laughed off <laughs> BFW a little bit, and people told me I was an idiot, literally. But you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you have players that want to push themselves in a different environment. Sometimes guys just want to get paid too. So um, nothing would shock me with Kimmich, but I don't think anything's happening this year. I mean, Bayern Munich's clearly not in a position to let him go. They're basically revamping their midfield because of him. So uh, if anything's going to happen, it'll come next season or next summer, I should say, and it'll happen after Kimmich gets the full view of what Thomas Tuchel is going to do over the course of a full season after what Bayern Munich does during this transfer window, he's going to absorb all that calculate how things look on the field. And he's going to, to do an analysis of how he fits, how the team is going, what direction they're headed in. And I'm sure if he doesn't like what he sees, he will explore those options that are allegedly out there for him. Now, when we talked about Goretzka, it's very interesting it just seems like it's blatantly obvious that that no one wants him at Bayern Munich anymore. And when I say no one, I'm talking mainly about Thomas Tuchel, but I have not seen any of the executives or the board members really come out and back Goretzka. I've said it before and I've said it a million times. I do not get the Goretzka hate. I think he's still a good quality player. I think he could still be a starter on this team. Tuchel doesn't like him. It's blatantly obvious, just not a fan. And this happens with coaches and good players all the time. It, it's just life in the big leagues, right? Tuchel has an idea of what he wants. I mean, clearly right now, the last story I wrote actually was about Conrad Limer impressing Tuchel and that he is right off the bat, even though he was a quote unquote Nagelsmann signing, 
Limer's already won Tuchel over to the point where Tuchel's ready to commit to him and have that Kimmich-Limer midfield that we kind of all thought was going to happen once we saw that Tuchel didn't like Goretzka. So, you know, Goretzka for his party, as I stated earlier in the show, he wants to stay, even though every every indication is saying, dude, you got to go. And I think he does have to go now. I like Goretzka. I want to see him stay at the club. I'm a much bigger fan of watching him play than I think many of you are. And I know there's there are quite a few of us that that have been, you know, not on this bash Goretzka train. But I get it. Like he didn't have a great season last year, but I don't think that you you throw the guy away after that. And it sounds, you know, you might say, well, you you idiot, you're saying get rid of Mane. The last time I checked, Gretzky didn't punch a teammate or go after a coach or have his PR guy bash his teammates. There's a difference. Uh, you can not be at your best on the field and you can recover from that. You can't do the things Mane did and just, you know, think it all just goes away. So for Goretzka, I mean, if I'm him, I start to explore those options. We've seen Chelsea mentioned. We've seen Liverpool. Uh, I mean, I'd be very interested to see what happens with him. I don't think Goretzka is a Premier League player, and I don't mean that he's not quality enough to go there. I think he's, is for as worldly as he is, I think he's got a genuine comfort zone in Germany uh, and it wouldn't shock me if a place like Borussia Dortmund became an attractive destination for him. Uh, of course, speaking of Dortmund, we know that they are in the running for Marcel Sabitzer. So we'll touch on that subject in just a second. But to finish off Goretzka, uh, you know, I, I think he's got to move on. I think that it's plain as day that Tuchel wants him gone and I admire that Goretzka wants to stay and fight. And I listen, I will take any player in terms of that mentality for wanting to, to do what they believe. But I think that I think the deck is really stacked against Goretzka here. I just don't think Tuchel likes him. And sometimes it's as simple as that. No matter how hard you want a coach to like you, it's just not going to happen. I mean, I listen, when I played baseball in college, I had a really good coach who had passed away recently. I had my first year, really good assistant coach and actually my first two years. And then the third, my junior and senior year, I had a guy could not stand me. He tried everything to get me out of the lineup, everything. And me and this guy, we just never clicked. I never bought into his BS. He never liked anything about me. I was a team captain for three years he wanted it to change the culture, even though we had a winning culture. Totally different deal. Sometimes you just can't get together. And I did make an attempt with that guy. I tried, genuinely tried to make that coach like me. And once I realized that it wasn't going to happen, I was better off for it. And I think at this point, while Goretzka is not a college athlete, right? He's a, he's a real pro. Uh, he's got options to move on. And I think that he needs to start exploring them, uh, whether that means it's the Premier League or the Bundesliga or Serie A or wherever. I think Goretzka just needs to get it together uh, and look for a fresh start. And I would be disappointed if that happened because I want to see him succeed at, at Bayern Munich. But I just don't think it can happen. I don't think Tuchel would let it happen, to be honest with you. As for Sabitzer, his situation definitely is interesting because he is getting a lot of interest from 
Borussia Dortmund from some unnamed teams in Italy. But apparently Sabitzer, for as much as we heard, he he genuinely wanted to stick around in Germany. He is very open to a move to the Premier League. So I wouldn't rule that out because, quite frankly, there are so many teams in the Premier League that could use someone like him. Plus, he went there on loan in the second half of last season and did exceptionally well. I mean, if you think about it, he was, in my mind, uh, a player who took that transition, embraced it, and really excelled. Uh, I don't think it's even debatable. I thought he was one of Manchester United's best players when he was available last season. So I wouldn't be shocked if that list of potential suitors expands. Personally, would I like to see him go to Dortmund? Yeah, because I want to see Sabitzer play. I, I like his style of play. Thought he got a bad rap his first year. I mean, we've talked about that a lot. He didn't really embrace that change, couldn't really accept that lesser role until the beginning of last season. Once he came to grips with how to play when you're not the man, when you're not a starter, and and, and by luck, he ended up getting a lot more time than I thought. I think most people thought he would. Once he got used to all that and was able to process it and just get past it, he was excellent for Bayern Munich. And a lot of people will say, well, you're, you're overstating it. He was good, but he wasn't excellent. No, he really was. Playing with Yashua Kimmich is not easy especially last season when Kimmich decided he didn't want to be a six anymore. So it, it, listen, I give Sabitzer a lot of kudos. He could have really packed it in after his first season, which was tough, but he fought. He showed that he's still a quality player. And I think he would still be a great asset to Bayern Munich. But again, where is he going to play? Doesn't seem like Tuchel really wants to use him. So if I'm Sabitzer, I'm, I'm definitely looking at my options, and I'm also going to take one of them and get the hell out of Bayern Munich this summer. As for Limer, we touched on him. He's doing everything he can to assimilate himself into the team. His karaoke video from the team dinner at, at camp was hilarious. I thought he did a great job with that. Those videos were all pretty good. Rafael Guerrero was he had a little trouble getting going, but Tuchel in a weird way, embrace that whole thing. I didn't expect him to be as good as he was. But Limer was exceptional. And I'm expecting Limer to really come in and do well. And it might be a case where, even though he's not technically a six, a true six, it's a position where he can come in and, and maybe change the way things are done allow Kimmich to move up higher in the formation and really hold down that position. There's nothing to say that he can't play that role. And I think Tuchel's going to try and make that work. And if he does, maybe there'll be a little bit less of an urgency to go out and find that true defensive midfielder that we've seen Byron linked to many, many times, starting with Declan Rice, who of course moved on to Arsenal, but there's been so many other names mentioned Limer might be able to fill that role. I mean, if you're a crazy person like me, you still think that Goretzka and Kimmich is the best midfield solution, but what do I know, right? So it uh, seems like Limer's going to get that job, which of course leaves Ryan Gravenberg out in the cold. Gravenberg still being linked to a lot of teams. The most recent group of teams we saw were all from Syria. We know that Manchester United and Liverpool and some of those other teams in the Premier League all like him, but Gravenberg, 
he's a kid who needs to go to a spot where he's going to play. Inter Milan, AC Milan, Napoli, Juventus, they're all clubs that could potentially use a kid like him, whether it's on loan or as a permanent acquisition, and find a place for him to play. I think that would be a great solution for him. And yeah, I know. It sounds like I want to get rid of every midfielder on the roster. I'm just trying to be realistic with things. Uh, Gravenberg wasn't happy. I see no reason to keep the kid unhappy. If he wants to play, find a spot for him. I, I genuinely don't think Tuchel is going to be able to get him enough time. Uh, it, it's just going to be difficult. Kimmich is a player who rarely comes off. Limer is a player who seemingly can run for days. If Goretzka or Sabitzer stays around, it's going to be really tough for Gravenberg to get time. I wouldn't mind seeing him go if it's a deal that works well for the club and the player. But of course, if if you know you have a situation where Goretzka, Sabitzer, and Gravenberg all go, you have to go out and get someone else, at least minimum of one other player, probably two, uh, to fill that void on the depth chart. I don't know how hard that will be because... <sighs> Barring injury, I mean, Kimmich and Lime are going to eat up a lot of time anyway. Uh, you also have some intriguing options you could use with Jamal Musiala playing in the central midfield as well. So there are a lot of different ways to go here, but ultimately Tuchel is going to have to get together with those club executives and figure some things out, detail his plan for the central midfield, and then hopefully uh, be able to get all of this worked out and together uh, by the end of this transfer window, because I, I do think there could be a significant amount of movement from that position group. And it wouldn't shock me if we see as many as three of them go. That'll about do it for this episode of the weekend warm up podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys tuning in. It's always great to be able to talk to you. I know this was released a little bit later than normal, but it's been a crazy day. I think Tom tweeted out that I'm headed out on vacation. So uh, even though I will be out, I'll still be doing some things for the site and I will be back next week. I won't miss any podcasts. So uh, if you're looking forward to hearing me next week, great. If you're not, sorry to, to ruin your week. <laughs> uh, but either way, uh, thank you for listening. It's always great to do this. You guys are an awesome audience, an even better community at BFW, and you are much appreciated. You can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get Tom Adams at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get our site at BavarianFBWorks. Of course, the site is BavarianFootballWorks.com, where we will have all of the latest and greatest news on Bayern Munich and Germany, including the Women's World Cup. So we'll be covering that in depth. Uh, please check us out. Uh, we are there every day. We are trying our best to keep up with all of this craziness that has gone on this summer. And it has been a struggle at times. So appreciate you hanging in with us. Uh, what else can I say? Have a great weekend. Have a couple of beers on me and we will see you next time.